Cerruto, try it again. Fans on the feet, 6,000 in attendance. The payoff is flied into right field, going back at the warning track, at the wall. It's gone! Go ahead, three-run home run for the senior! Peter Cerruto has given the Indiana Hoosiers the lead! All right, so we're here at Barcoffman Stadium, lucky enough to meet with pitching coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, Dustin Glant. Uh, we have myself, Chris Feeney, and Carl James, and we're just gonna just chat it up with Coach and, and try to learn a bit about uh, him and also dip into the 2024 Hoosiers. So uh, thanks for doing it, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and thank you guys for everything you do for, for us and following the program and uh, providing updates and everything. I know I know we, we enjoy it, our guys enjoy it, and the community enjoys it, so thank you. So, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a fun thing to do for us, and, and, and to be able to help out others, too, it works out well. Now, you've been here a few years, but I got to say, this season, we have a lot more buzz, a lot more interest to the team, maybe coming off of last year's great season. Um, so they might not have heard from you before or, or understand your baseball story as far as how you got to link up with Coach Mercer and where you've been before that. So, I mean, we do have a list of questions, but before we even hit those, could you just explain like how you ended up here at uh, Indiana University? Sure. Um, from Fort Wayne originally, and in, in born and raised a big IU fan. Uh, Coach Knight was was uh, was a god in our house, uh, and so was raised in the Indiana Indiana tradition. Um, actually, was never recruited here, so I played, played at Purdue from 2000 2003. Was drafted out of there in 2003. Um, with by the Arizona Diamondbacks, pitched with them pretty much through 2010, 2011, banged around independent ball a little bit longer, got right out of that, went into high school teaching in 2012, um, jumped on with Ball State with Rich Maloney and his staff in 2013 as a volunteer assistant catching coach actually in 2013 with them. Um, great season there, obviously on the volunteer uh, salary, couldn't do it for, for very long, so went back into high school teaching and coaching in 2014 at Lapel High School, uh, which is just, let's see, just uh, south of Anderson, Indiana. Um, going into my second year, the, the uh, Division Three head coaching job opened up at Anderson University, which is a, a kind of a powerhouse Division Three program right there uh, outside of Lapel. So did that in 2015 and 16. And then in 2017, uh, Coach Maloney called and had an opening come back to Ball State as a pitching coach there. So I went back to Ball State in 2017, 18, and 19, uh, which for Indiana fans, those were the years that I think we played. Uh, we played you guys every year, Indiana every year, at, at, Bar State, at uh, Victory Field. Victory Field, and I know they may remember uh, in 2019, we had Dre Jamison, who didn't get recruited at Indiana and had a chip on his shoulder and asked me specifically to pitch against Indiana. And he was, he was electric and I remember him staring down Merce. And so uh, we had some crossover uh, with Merce and, and IU in my, my coaching years. So did that through 2019, uh, signed on with the Yankees in, in 19, was with the Yankees in 20, 20, or let's see, uh, end of 19, 20 and 21. Got to know, I coached with Casey Dykes who again, Indiana fans will remember was the volunteer hitting coach here, uh, I believe maybe 18 and 19, but he came on with me at the same time with the Yankees. So got to know Casey, we coached together in AAA with the Yankees. He's obviously now uh, the assistant big league coach with the Yankees. And, and then when this opportunity opened up, uh, it, was, it, 
was like a, a dream come true to be able to come back home um, and, and be back home in Indiana doing what I love, coaching pitching and do it with a guy that I didn't know a ton directly, but everybody else you know, that I knew knew Merce and loved him and, and said nothing but great things. And so um, it just was so fortunate and blessed to, to be here and, and to work full circle. And so, yeah, now we're chipping away, getting into year three. But pretty much, long story short, Indiana boy, born and raised, and uh, back here getting to do what I love. Well, glad you made it back. Absolutely, yeah. man. You came from New York to Indiana, so obviously I, uh, I can relate to that. Yeah. I won't hold the Yankee stuff against you. I'm a Mets fan, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, as you mentioned, you're entering your third season as a pitching coach. Uh, first year didn't start off so great. Obviously, we went over that last year when we spoke. But uh, the second year, the huge improvement with command, throwing strikes, uh, managing the run game. I mean, it was glaring, the obvious changes. Now, whether you stressed that to them or just maybe the execution was better, you know, last season... Um, what are you hoping for year three? The same thing. That was our, our first meeting this year was about that. Was uh, 2021, I think we walked 370 guys. And I think last year we cut it by 100. We got it to 270. Um, so, again, moving in the right direction, but not to where we want to be a club that consistently – limits the free bases and if we can get under that 200 threshold so I told the guys if we can do it if we can cut out 100 free bases again this year and to be more in that right under 200 right around 200 I think that will really help us uh, have sustainable success to where you can limit limit the free bases and limit opportunities that uh, the other teams have so that's been a big emphasis and and that's what I told them is a lot of it is like you said we stressed it we felt like we brought in better pitchers number one um, and then we brought in guys that uh, that attacked the zone better and we emphasized it the whole time and so we're trying to wash rinse and, and uh, repeat it here again and if we can cut off another hundred I think we'll be in a good spot <laughs> we'll take we'll take another hundred off that number that works <laughs> then uh, a lot of returning arms coming back um, what are you looking forward to? Like anybody specific to, to really see their growth the next year? It's fun for all of them. Uh, just talking to Crafty today in the bullpen and watching some of his video his freshman year to now. It's just you get a laugh out of it because how much he's grown as a pitcher. But obviously you're you're excited about you know Reisdorf coming back and Foley coming back and having you know significant innings in high leverage situations. Even Phillips pitched in a regional. You know Evan Whitaker. Uh, won us a Big Ten game. Um, you got a lot of those guys that have contributed. Grant Holderfield back in the mix after missing all of last year, uh, being banged up. Uh, you know, you had Seti that had a nice season for us with him, having him back, and he, he logged quite a few uh, important innings. And um, I'm sure there's, you know, you got a red shirt with Jacob Vogel coming coming into the mix this year. I don't, you know, it's. I'm happy with all of them and, and looking forward to seeing all of them. But like you said, it's all, I think every coach um, is now excited to see what it looks like, you know, on the field in between the lines uh, now the season's here. Uh, specifically Foley, if I can ask about, because it really sounds like his role is going to change, where he seemed to come in late last year in the closer situations, basically. Yeah. And I mean, after what he did in Kentucky in the, in the regional. Sure. But now from what we've heard from coach and what the word is, it seems like he's going to be more of an opener or more of a front end of the game kind of guy going longer, more innings. Potentially, that's what we would like to get to ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we'll have a very similar strategy to last year to where we're going to, you know, just not necessarily may or may not have those traditional starters. Um, 
have the guys that kind of come in, get us through the lineup a couple times, and then hand it off and give somebody a different look. But yes, from a from a, a best case scenario, we do think that Foley's going to get to that point at, at some time this season where he's going to be the guy that can get through a lineup three times, and we're going to be able to lengthen it out and, and to give him give him the ball and, and take over a weekend rotation for sure. Great stuff, man. He's he's electric. He's fun, fun to watch, man. He's fun. <laughs> fun to coach. I bet. And uh, as far as the freshmen coming in, obviously we might not know a lot about them, depending on how much you're following the high school stuff or, or what's coming up. Can you mention a couple names that the yeah. fans should uh, be looking out for as far as freshman arms? So we got uh, Seth Bennis is from St. Louis, uh, true freshman. Um, he was he's coming off injuries, injured in high school. He's coming off of an injury, but looks like he's going to be able to to be a part of this season and really help us. Um, his uncle is Andy Bennis, the the former first round pick and uh, longtime major league pitcher. So there's some some lineage there. Maybe some some people that know that last name. Uh, he's he's a great kid. I think I kind of compare him to Reese Sharp for Indiana fans from a stuff standpoint. Just a very similar uh, profile as far as a pitch package um, that Reese had. Uh, we have Ryan Rushing from Florida. Uh, he was at IMG Academy. He's a, a lefty. Again, not to, you don't want to put this weight on his shoulders, but he would remind Indiana fans of, uh, is it Donato? Donato was kind of the legendary lefty. <laughs> That's quite here. an name to bring up. I, say. I, I think, think he's I, right to your right there. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to not put high expectations on a young man, you don't say Joey Donato. <laughs> it's just, it, it's just, uh, he reminds, you know, you see pictures and video of Donato and, so it kind of reminds you of the same the same look and the same kind of basketball profiles and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not confident, but right. at the same time, from a pitching coach eyes, you make those connections uh, with Ryan Rushing. Uh, Evan O'Neill from Georgia, he's banged up, but he's on his way back. Uh, he had a really good fall for us. Uh, we have Eli Shaw, an Indianapolis kid from Warren Central. He's, he's really performed well throughout the fall, so we think that he'll – He'll help us on the mound and be a contributor. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but off the off the top of my head, um, yeah, like every year, we're going to have our freshmen are going to pitch, and they're going to be in the middle of it and in the thick of it. And uh, you got Jacob Bogle again with a redshirt freshman uh, coming in that's going to be in the thick of it too. So nothing will change there. You just get these guys in the action as freshmen and grow them up early, and that'll be the expectation again this year. Stuff and as far as uh, we also have transfer arms. I know Coach mentioned uh, was it yesterday or early last week that you guys had like a set plan. Like we're gonna fill this need in the transfer portal. This is what we want to go for. Um, how would you feel about what you brought in as the transfer arms? I think you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's what it, it's it's. Uh, I think that was one of our keys last year uh, was bringing in. Again, by the numbers, you know, maybe they didn't look uh, like they were amazing years, but the impact that they had uh, from a culture standpoint, just for kind of filling that gap until Foley and Reisdorf were really ready to take over halfway through the year. Because if you remember, early in the season, you know, they were both kind of scuffling, and, and, and Ben and, and Levy and Vega and some of those guys that had experience were able to, to kind of uh, take a lot of that workload on and, and had been out there, and you could kind of slowly – ease those guys in and by the end of it you know they, they, they passed the baton and, and uh, so that was a huge piece of it to where yeah we, we expect to get the same thing this year from uh, some transfer guys that can step in right away and, and have made some adjustments and some improvements and uh, can help us win ball. 
the new world of building a roster now in college baseball, huh? Say some days you love it, some days you're cussing. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, whether it's the transfers, the freshmen, the returning arms, there's a lot going into building the puzzle, right? Throughout a game, throughout a series. And it seemed, from what coaches mentioned, and you just mentioned earlier, you're going to go with a lot of the plan of last year. Like, what goes into figuring out after that Friday opener or first pitcher is done, who you go to right away? Uh, Mercer and myself and, and Denton Sagerman, we do a really good job of, of just kind of pregame planning uh, every night or every morning for the next day. And, and we just uh, we got it from the reading of the Bill Walsh book. Uh, I think it was a score takes care of itself, maybe. And he talked a ton about walkthroughs and, and already planning out in your mind every which thing that can happen. Um, and so we started doing that last year, and obviously that was successful. So uh, we have a game plan going in of if this happens and this is where we're going, if this happens, this is where we're going. If this happens, this is where we're going. And we kind of list out our guys of who's going to fill what role at what point in the lineup. And it, it, in the big leagues, they kind of talk about it as, as having lanes or having pockets that guys throw in. So that's another, I guess, way of thinking about it. But for the most part, we just, the night before, we script out as many of the possibilities as we can of what could happen the next day. That way, when it does happen, we're able to just make a make a decision right away because we've already already walked through it. Gotcha. Thanks. And, and I know the strategy part of it has to be, it's like already knowing you're going to go for two if you score the touchdown. Exactly. Like it was already planned out. Exactly. But it's just so much more in baseball, I feel like, especially in the series. Like what I do Friday, then maybe I can bring it back on Sunday. And it's I mean, that's why it's such a great game. Obviously, <laughs> it, it is. It is, and, and that that's all that we just the, the more we communicate, the easier it is to make those decisions. Just because you've you've had time to think about it without the pressure, so that when mm-hmm. the pressure hits, mm-hmm. you, you go with with what you talked about, and, and it worked out for the most part last year. And obviously, with uh, college baseball, it's it's a little different because you got those midweeks, right? The random Tuesday, the uh, sometimes two in a row, right? Two two midweeks in a in a in a week prior to another series starting, how, what's your mindset as far as like how are you going to deploy pitchers uh, midweek game? Just win, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that it, that it, that was what hit me last year um, uh, because you're never in a we're never in a position at Ball State from an RPI standpoint to ever be a potential host or an at large and things like that. So that was different for me and a learning experience for me is early on uh, you realize that there are no there are no gimmies if you really if you have a chance to host or if you have a chance to, to be an at-large bid that there is no more I mean you're playing championship baseball pretty early on and so I think that changed the that changed the mindset a little bit of the outlook of, of hey we have to really be strategic with who's going to go where and, and there aren't as many of those luxuries to where you can kind of get some guys out there and get some experience and get their feet under them. Uh, I feel like it was the first 20% of the season, kind of after conference started, that we knew, okay, these we're, we're, in, we're in some must-win situations here uh, pretty much the rest of the way out. And so I think it does, it probably does hinder some development with some of the younger guys in those situations where normally um, you're going to want to run some guys out and see what you have. But if you have to win those games, uh, it's a, you know, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? There's not a, not a right answer, but when you're, when you're Coach Merce and looking doing it through it of the lens of you know how do I get these guys to the postseason? Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of those you know do we get the W at the end of the day? And so it's a balance in that act and get between the two. But ideally, yeah, ideally you get a 
you to get some experience and get some guys feet wet and get those younger guys out there or inexperienced guys out there on the midweeks and let them kind of show us what you can do and then hopefully you know increase their role um, but like I said we sometimes you just got to go with the horses and, and you just got to win right get the win yeah, man, yeah. You know? not a bad problem to have at least to know that you're you're up for an at-large bid or something and I would think coach Mercer the same way coming from Wright State where I would assume was a little similar to Ball State, right? He had to win his conference tournament to make the NCAA's. Yeah. And, and now, you know, a Tuesday night in the middle of May means a lot more. Sure. And that's what I say. You were never punting or anything when you were at Ball State, but you also knew that, uh, you know, winning the conference and the weekends were important and then really making sure you had arms. So you would, those, those Tuesdays, you, you had a little bit more flexibility to, to see what you had with guys. Um, because you were preparing them to, can they help us in the tournament? You know, that's that's what we need for that to where here, uh, which was awesome. It was just, it was a ton of fun, but it definitely, it can it can affect uh, maybe some game planning strategies. Yeah. Gotcha. And another piece of the puzzle I would think is, is behind the plate, right? We, you don't have Pete, you don't have Matt anymore, and, and we have Brock going to catch a bunch from what we're understanding, and then it seems to be three or four other guys in the mix for, for catching um, how's it been going so far with Brock getting used to the pitchers? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we won't skip a beat. I love Pete Surreal. I'm the <laughs> biggest fan of Pete Surreal. Like, our season doesn't happen last year without Pete. Um, and I can't say enough good things about Pete. But the, the nice part is is that uh, we have a great guy to replace him in Brock Tippett. And we won't skip. He's been a stud. He's had an awesome fall. He's had an awesome spring. He's ready to go. Uh, Jake Stadler has, has been awesome as well. Um, he's improved so much. TJ Skyler is a oncoming uh, freshman that's that's really really improved from the fall until now. So uh, AJ Shepard's still working his way back through through his uh, his kind of arm stuff and, and getting him closer and closer. So we feel really really good if we can keep those guys healthy about the depth we have at the position and and again. You look at it like, man, we just lost Pete Ruto and, and he was the heart and soul. But uh, when you're able to replace it, and we have some really quality guys replace that have been doing a great job. So we feel really good about the catching position. Great to hear. Because I know that losing Pete is something that definitely has come up oh, to a lot of fans. And, I mean, let's hope Brock can hit huge home runs like Pete did too. You know, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the power piece that we need from Pete that we're going to miss. Yeah, that was amazing. That's just a bulldog. Hit. Oh, yeah, it's just incredible. Game, that's Pete, man. Like yeah. it's always game time. Pete's always ready to go. The best. What a what a what a season! I was they they put a picture of him up in the in the clubhouse. <laughs> it was so deserving because um, for him to catch all those games, every single game, and and the thing he loved about Pete was as a pitcher, you love knowing that the guy behind the plate is a servant. Is a servant leadership phrase you hear? It's like it ain't about hit Pete and his offense. And he, like he's out there to serve you. And, and how can we win this game? And how can I help you as a pitcher? And he just he has the the mentality that it takes to be a great catcher. And, and man, it was uh, what a season! What a season! All I think it's great. Brock was here to witness that too. Oh, yeah. I know I, we would see Brock a lot pregame with the catcher gear on and doing sure. his thing last year. Sure. So him just watching that and learning from that, I think, would be good too. Um, just something. That, Another question as far as, I know we touched on it in the very beginning with the running game. Yeah. Uh, I know could watch, just from watching fall ball, not this year, but last, you could see a difference. Is a lot of that coming from the dugout? Is it coming from the catcher? Is it something that you guys have to communicate with the catcher? 
Yeah, no, I'm calling a lot of it. You I'm are. calling a lot of it. Yeah, I'm trying to control it as much as I can. I think that was a, the learning, a big learning piece of being away for three years in the pro game to where none of that stuff really matters. You know, mm -hmm. it's about development to get smacked in the face and remembering of like, you know what wins college baseball games is free bases. And, uh, and, and just, yeah, re essentially going back to everything that I did at Ball State, you know, of holding the running games and uh, being able to fill your position and, and just that being the first priority. And so right away, Merce and I were we're, we're on of, of day one, uh, week one, is, is you're going to be able to execute a slide step and still attack the zone and all those things. And so I think we should pick up right where we left off last year with that. Good. Could you, could you possibly talk about um, a case of like where you've uh, designed a new pitch for somebody? How does that, how does that process work? Uh, so I guess Moffitt's a great example. Jack Moffitt is, came in from Gonzaga. Uh, there's a four-seam guy. Movement wasn't great this fall. Uh, we kind of, you probably heard the term, the dead zone fastball. Is it, it Essentially, it's moving the way the hitter anticipates it to move. Um, but through sonic work and obviously the track main data and then having Ben Sagerman with you, uh, which I can't, I can't uh, overestimate uh, enough, is we just looked through it and said he's probably a candidate to try um, to try some different grips on a sinker, and, and, and so we tried that in the bullpen and had some success. Um, and then what was great about Moffitt is he took it on himself to 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 do some research on his own, and he kind of dug up some uh, some Clay Holmes videos and some of his grips, and because it's a seam shifter uh, uh, sinker, and we think we got it. I mean, we think we got it, and so it's a guy that. Came in with just an okay fastball, beat a lot of guys with velocity, um, and we think that we've moved it to to where it can be a real weapon uh, for him and, and and have maybe a different role than what he's kind of had in the past, where he might be a guy that can get through the lineup a couple times just because he's got a real sinker now. So uh, no pressure, Jack, but uh, <laughs> it's that that's a good example of, of bringing a guy in, knowing kind of what he did, and then exploring some changes with him and, and uh, using obviously the technology to, to work on grips and how the ball comes off and and all that stuff to, to move a guy and, and then it's correlated to, to some success uh, late fall when he started throwing it in game and really good feedback from the hitters and then we kind of kept him facing hitters with it even after fall ball was over and, and uh, he's had three good weeks here in lives so we're, we're excited about about that pitch that again um, just Knew enough to knew this would be a candidate, and it it, it was a fit, and um, so far so good. So this year's opening day uh, is different for us. Usually, we're going out to the trip, and it's a series. Like it was LSU, uh, and then it was Clemson and Auburn. And how is it different prepping for a situation like this with three different teams? It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's three times the work. And then the funny thing about prepping for the first week or the second week is. You're constantly second guessing yourself because it's do I do I go off of the last year's swings that I see? Do I go off the last year heat maps and and, and lick information that I see? Uh, how much do I use that stuff? Because the guy could be a totally different player than he is now that you're prepping for and you're prepping for for last year's guy. And I'm sure we have players that would say, "Man, I wish, please prepare." to face me as if I was uh, last year's guy because I'm completely different or a different swing. And so it's, it's, it's funny because you spend 
hours upon hours for one team, and now you do it for three teams, and then on top of it, it's the first week, so you're constantly in the back of your mind, ah, I'm just going to go with my pitcher strikes because nobody, it's mono a mono week one, let's see what they can do. So it'll be uh, really how it is. You just put in all the work, and then um, I'll try to get a, I'll, I'll scout that game after our game. I'll scout the Coastal uh, George Mason game that night, and then hopefully be able to draw some conclusions of okay, this looks like what I what I also saw on video. This looks like what I saw. They can face the Blue Devils uh, what eight days from now, right? Yeah, that's right. That's well, right. I really appreciate your time, and, and we're going to be going down and meet Carl, Josh, Cast, the whole crew from the Talking Loser Baseball podcast, and really look forward to seeing the season open up. And I really appreciate your time. I understand you got a lot, a lot going on with about a week to go to opening day. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you.